So, Berto, on this warm summer evening, I thought I'd kick back with my best friend, you, by the way, and Aww. answer some questions from the listeners, and we just have a relaxing time. What do you say, Berto? Let's relax. Let's kick kick it back. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist, and I'm also a professor. My name is Umberto Castaneda, and I tune out of tune banjos. Anonymous upper tier patron says, is it okay to fantasize about other people in a relationship when you're in a relationship? I am, I am very happy in a long-term, stable, healthy, loving relationship. We have been together four years and I am so happy with him. Uh, I'm a heterosexual girl in a relationship with a guy. Lately, I've had shifts in my libido where I feel like it has skyrocketed from where it was over the past few years. What is throwing me off so much is that I started having these strange, random, overly sexual urges towards other men, including a close friend of my partner. I don't know what this means exactly and am feeling confused. I would never cheat on my partner and love and, and my love and attraction to him has never dwindled, but I can't seem to shake this urge to be with others sexually. Is this normal? I don't think I'm polyamorous and I don't know what's going on. I was hoping you could shed some light if you've ever heard of this before or help me to not feel so abnormal. Berto, what do you think? Ha, that's my story. That's my life story. So, uh, look, I, obviously this is not the same for everyone. People vary dramatically. Uh, in my case, yeah, I, I feel attraction constantly to, you know, women. And uh, what I have found for myself is that the key is not letting your thoughts get obsessive. Um, I think that's true with so many things, not just this topic, but in general, a lot of things are, I feel okay to think about, to maybe even dream about a bit. Uh, I have found just from personal experience that when I start obsessing about things, even sometimes things that seem innocuous or like not harmful, it tends to lead to problems. As an example of one of those, um, you know, I've talked about uh, my addictions in the past with, with shopping and compulsions like that. But, you know, I've had some of that that I remember, what, for example, when I was buying a lot of music equipment, I would go online and like look at this one piece of equipment all the time and being like, oh, I really want it. I really want it. And I'm like, oh, I shouldn't buy it. It's so expensive. But then I keep looking at it online and like drooling and rereading all the little specs and things. And I think back to that and I'm like, well, I I, I think that that impulse of like, oh, I, I better check in on this again. Um, I wasn't monitoring or I wasn't kind of checking back in with myself and asking like, what is driving this? What What do you think this will do for you? Like, what is this? Well, have you ever and had it, problems with sexual obsession? Absolutely. Like, um, that's the story of my young life, basically. Uh, I, I, I literally remember feeling at various times when I was younger that that's all I could think of. Like, I'd be in a class at high school, certainly in college, I'd be in college in a class and there's a girl in the class and she's attractive. I find her attractive. The whole class, that's all I'm thinking about constantly. I don't do anything about it. I just, I'm obsessing about it. I'm not paying attention. That's all I'm thinking about it. And it, it was like, it would take over my brain and not let go. So, you know, again, thinking back and looking back, it, it's, uh, I wish I'd had tools to talk to myself, talk myself away from the obsession 
being like, yeah, acknowledged. You're like, oh, that's a very attractive person. And they even have like little questionnaires for myself. Like, are you going to do something about it? Do you want to talk to her? Are you going to meet her? Or do you just want to acknowledge this? Because right now you're not paying attention. Are, are you interested in dropping this class? You know, like these kind of conversations. Because it could get away from me. Mm-hmm. So what I would say is, in general, my perspective is fantasizing is okay. Even... And maybe this is wrong boundary-wise, but uh, even fantasizing about someone you might know might be okay. Uh, it might be inevitable, let's put it that way. But if you start noticing that that you don't have control over it and that it actually starts taking over whether you want to or not. Harming your life. Somehow. Harming you because that's you kind of get obsessed. Then you start maybe even planning like, well, how come, how could I make this a reality? Uh, and what we're talking about could have harm because you haven't ended your current relationship or what, what have you. Uh, that other person might be in, a, in their own relationship. I think that's where you need to have self-conversations, maybe go to therapy, maybe do some other things uh, to try to mediate. Yeah, what I'll say is that it's totally normal to fantasize about other people. Uh, you're talking about an increase in libido recently, which is also common to people. It's, it's not unusual for various reasons. People don't talk about this. It's not very rom com to talk about how people fantasize about yep. other people. It's also threatening to think about, wait, does my partner think about other people? Right. Berto, percentage-wise, how? what percentage of people think about other people while they're having sex with their partner? <laughs> uh, ooh. Well, I mean, huh. I don't know. I'm going to go, I'm going to be optimistic and say 50%. And uh, <laughs> women or men are, do it more? Well, do, do you mean like always or... Have they at all? Well, if they have it all, like yeah, ninety percent. <laughs> uh, they on a kind of semi regular basis. Oh yeah, no, I'm gonna go fifty. And and, and men or women do it more. Ah, uh, fifty, fifty. Okay, uh, they're very close, and and you're very close. It's about fifty. It's more like forty five or something. Okay. And of course, it's self report. Yeah. And what do you define as like on a regular sure, basis? Sure, sure. But women actually more often than oh, men. more often, okay. slightly more. Yeah, but yeah, it's extremely normal. You could uh, as a shortcut to the statistics just say that about half of everyone regardless of gender think about other people while they're having sex it's it's totally normal it's totally common um is it well why do you think people do that berto um okay so there's the aspect of novelty uh there is the that, aspect that turns people on that can turn people off there's the aspect of experience uh, that you want to have, like, why do people watch TV, watch movies, read books? It's because you want to have experiences. And by having a fantasy, your brain can help you have a, a made up experience. But it's like virtual reality because you're, you are having sex. Just your brain is kind of like modifying the parameters. <laughs> right. Uh, then it also might be because there's this, dissatisfied with the relationship they might be upset they might actually want to get out of it they might legitimately be in love with someone else you know yeah range of things yeah i would say in the functional realm which it sounds like anonymous upper tier patron is is in she's saying i love my partner and i'm just i don't know why these ideas are popping in my head i would say that it has to do with novelty there seems to be for most humans a attraction sexually to novel experiences. But as uh, we navigate all the needs and the parameters of our life, we tend not to like novel sexual experiences because they uh, often result in not having long-term attachments. Yeah. So 
when we're trying to meet all of our needs, a lot of us will choose long-term attachment and monogamy or even polyamory with a few people than to uh, have a different sexual partner every single night. Right. And the sublimation is to fantasize about it or pornography or something yeah. like that. So, um, yeah, it doesn't mean that your relationship is bad. It doesn't mean that you're even poly. Even if you were poly, I, I'm, I'm guessing you would still potentially fantasize about other people because polyamory uh, means you're with, say, you know, one to four people on a regular basis. You probably still would fantasize about others. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a debatable thing because uh, if we discussed it in a different gendered situation like Birdo, say – Say you're in a long-term relationship yep. and you are fantasizing about your partner's best friend. Right. Um, and you know this person. You hang out with this person. This is a friend of yours, someone that you hang Ethically speaking, so let's say you masturbate when you're having sex with your partner. Like it's like a lot. Like it's in my mind constantly. Yeah. Maybe even just temporarily. Like yes. for, for, for a month. It's <laughs> a frequent go-to right. fantasy. Is that okay? Okay, so you ask me now, at this point in time in my life, I'd say I would definitely intervene with myself at this point because I feel like I'm crossing a boundary even though it seems like it's all behind What boundary doors. are you crossing? Well, it's because of my mental... my So much of my mind is being spent on, on that that, um, well, A, I'm not going to be as present with my partner. I also... I don't know. I, I I find it a little, maybe a little disrespectful right. to not like try to address myself about it. You know, a disrespectful to, to my partner, like and to her friend to say, well, yeah. look, you know, again, it's inevitable or it might be inevitable, but I'm but letting Berto, it run amok. But Berto, it's just in your mind. I know, but you know, you and I have had this yeah, but, argument before. Well, about which parts? Well, the, you were on the other side of this debate. You'd be like, dude. It's in my mind. You can't police my mind. And, and no, and I, now I know what you're talking about. I do think that there's a point at which it uh, thoughts coming into your mind, you, you might not have as much control over. But what happens once the thought comes into your mind, and then what you do, totally. you do have some control over it. Absolutely. And certainly if we were talking about like, oh, lately I've been fantasizing about killing this one dude. A lot. Like I've, every night before I go to sleep, I, I dream about it. I draw I pictures about it. I'm actually... I, I would want to like intervene, you know, like, yeah. and this isn't that extreme, but it is, it is conducive to potentially bad things. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think there's a viable debate on one hand, and that's why I reverse the genders because it's, I think, harder for us to imagine culturally, even though it's silly for us to have this double standard where women could a wife, heterosexual wife, could fantasize about her husband's best friend, but and and have that be quaint and cute and whatever. Yep. But when we reverse the genders, it feels more creepy. Yeah. And and I don't think that double standard should uh, apply. I mean, of course, context matters, and more sexual assaults happen from men, vast majority. So there's that. But anyway, my point is, is that I think it's I think it's a gray zone. On one hand, it absolutely uh, could bother your partner's friend. Yeah. Your partner's friend, if they found out, 
could say, I don't think I can be friends with you anymore. Yeah. You were doing that on purpose. Yeah. I feel violated. You know, you were doing stuff to me and my body that I didn't want you to do. And you were doing it in your mind like that. That really scares me or hurts me or I feel violated or um, something. And no, I don't like it. And of course, if your partner found out, it's like, wait, you know, you can fantasize about some famous person or just a nameless, uh, you know, figure. But to fantasize about my best friend, like why, why her? Why was something... uh, wrong with me this kind of thing so uh but then we look at the stats and half of everyone uh fantasizes and and i'm guessing a good percentage of those people will fantasize about people that they know in their lives well and and again i do want to clarify that there there is a difference between like you're just there and a thought pops into your head you know because you you don't have control of your active mind all the time, or your you know well not on the initial half second, but everything beyond that point you do. Well, have that's control. that's the thing. But but I'm saying like, um, for example, I'm a very visual person, right? So if I go to the beach with someone I know, and they're wearing a bikini and it looks attractive, before I know it, my mind is going to be like, whoa, attractive female in bikini. Sure. Okay. Now, if at that point I start like obsessing about it and ogling and like kind of start thinking things. Okay. Now, now I'm in, now I should have control and I'm choosing not to intervene. Right. Uh, so that's kind of the difference. It's like there, there's things that happen in your brain before you're even able to do anything about it. And then there's what you do after that. Now, what, what I'm thinking is that if you want to be healthy for yourself, even if you're just selfishly trying to be healthy in your brain is you want to curb things from getting too far like like just come on don't obsess well, about this yeah, and like, that's fine I, back. and that's a good angle the uh, you know, self-preservation or the yeah. avoidance of what i'm thinking you're getting to is if you obsess you might actually um try to put it into action which yeah. could ruin your relationship and even if you don't literally do like hey i want to have sex with you or something it could it could affect how you interact with and your, it could with aff- your partner with your partner with the other person right. it could make things Oddly odd. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what I'm pointing out is even – it's an interesting question of if the the best friend never finds out. Yeah. No one ever finds out. You don't tell anyone that that's the person you fantasize about on the reg. Is that harmful to that person? Even, you know, they never find out. They never know about it. You never reveal it. It doesn't – and say it doesn't affect – your relationship with your partner. It doesn't negatively affect your relationship with that friend. You don't sexualize that friend when you're with them, say. You manage to keep it completely relegated to a particular uh, point in time and and it doesn't confuse you at all. Right. Um, Is that morally or ethically wrong? And uh, on one hand, it's like, well, a lot of people do that. Yeah. Or even even just you say once, yeah. like just you just fantasize about that person one time, yep. or a coworker of yours, you're, like someone you work with, or an or an employee of yours. Put it in that angle of yep. like you fantasize about an employee once, and it doesn't affect your life. It probably would, but let's say it doesn't. Is that a violation? You know, I I think on one hand it is absolutely because if the person found out about it, they'd say like you. Un- non-consensually fantasized about me <laughs> and I don't like that I don't like you did things to me in your head you know I don't like that it doesn't feel good on the other hand 
can't people fantasize and, and so common to right. do that? Now, okay, like for example, let's let's carve one part off. If you dreamed that now you can still do things the next day to try to steer yourself away to having more of those dreams, but if you had a dream, that's a little different because yeah. you were asleep. Things happen in your brain. Now you yeah. might wake up and be like, "Oh, that was interesting." Okay? But now when you're awake and you're like, "Okay, I'm going to actively put these thoughts in my head and encourage them and reinforce them. Look, if it was the one time and then you had this conversation with yourself and you're like, yeah, that was not, let's not speak again about it again, I guess. But if it becomes a recurring thing, yeah, like I think it's a problem. All the people who have fantasized about Brad Pitt or who, who whatever famous person, is that a violation? Now, for some, you know, maybe what we need is some sort of database where people say, look, if you want to fantasize about me, it's go, okay. I, I, yeah. I consent. Yeah, like for me, I would, I would consent. <laughs> if, you know. But maybe other people, they wouldn't. So you'd have to look it up before you did it. So, oh man, you just shot down the idea. I, I was going to start a company where I, I'm like the uh, person you can come to to uh, exercise your fantasies. I'll wear any mask you want. You know, and I'll, I'll put on a voice like whoever you want me to talk to. Wait, who's that voice? I, I don't know. I'm a terrible impersonator, but I'll do it. And um, and then you can have all your fantasies, and I don't mind. <laughs> but then you just you just made a point that it might be unethical, so I don't know. So I got a gripe of wrath, Berto. Uh oh. So my wife Stacy is driving somewhere, uh, Whole Foods, I believe, and she's going up north, mm-hmm. going away from Seattle. It's it's outside Seattle. And she comes back home and she tells me about how uh, there's this truck in front of her that was pumping out just billows of black smoke. Whoa. Have you seen this before? Yeah. Oh, I hate it. It's like, I mean, when that happens and you're stuck, especially behind it. Oh. Yeah. But but what you're referring to are things that I think I've seen where it's just like an old car. No, I've seen the truck. I've seen the truck too. Like it's just like a plume of black. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so Stacy tells me about this, and she's like, "Yeah, this there was, this car was just a complete douchebag. The guy was putting out all this black smoke, and then he was really impatient. And he tried to he tried to go into the oncoming traffic because he wanted to get to the intersection and turn left. And Whoa. then he, then he swerved back in and he actually hit a car. Oh my god." Yeah, and and all this black smoke was coming into her car, and and I'm thinking, she's like, have you heard of that? And I'm thinking, well, I know about some old cars that will put out a lot of particulates because they don't have a good filter system or a catalytic converter or whatever it is that gets rid of all that Mm -hmm. soot. And, uh, but I was, but the way she was describing it, I I just thought, this sounds more, she's like, she's like, no, this is a new truck. And I'm like, huh? Yeah. So I Google it. And there's this movement called oh, no. coal rollers. What? Or rolling with coal or rolling coal. Yeah, they call them, you know, let's go roll some coal. And they call them coal rollers. They do this on purpose? Yes. They put out enormous amounts of oh, pol- my God. pollution. Yeah. It's, it's soot. Yeah. They modify their... Automobiles, no, such that it, it spews pollution, black pollution into the air. Oh my God, Berto, can you imagine as to why someone would do that? 
Well, first of all, is that legal? That doesn't seem like it would be legal. So it's not legal, <laughs> but a lot of people have cars that are modified in illegal ways. Okay. I, I could imagine someone and, doing and, and it. They, and they just uh, get the occasional ticket, you know yeah. what I mean? Or they have a flip, they have a switch that they turn on when they don't see any cops around, this kind of thing. So someone who is very entitled, like uh, you know, a narcissist or a psychopath, <laughs> just doesn't care about society. Yeah, you know, they're like, I don't care. Um, it's my car, maybe, but according to the news reports, these individuals are part of a movement that hate environmentalists. Oh boy. Okay. So they're just like sticking it to the old planet. I have never had a bigger gripe of wrath than I have had about this. Thinking about my wife breathing in oh my God. purposeful pollution from a douchebag car in front of her that's, oh. that is purposely billowing out uh, pollution and soot and particulates oh. from their car exhaust into the air, in traffic, into other people's cars, into other people's breathing space. And visual space, for that matter, and probably getting soot on everything because yeah. that that stuff that's in the in the smoke it lands. So I've been behind a truck before that was billowing smoke, like it looked black. It's like a black column. Yeah, I assumed, and this wasn't recent; it was like a couple of years ago. Or something. I assumed there was something wrong with the truck. Right. Probably not. Unless I mean, if it was a really old truck, I mean, it didn't. It, it was like a. a a, a Mack truck type thing, you know? Well, it's, I don't know. I'd yeah. have to see it. But um, was it like black, black? Black. Yeah. It wasn't like, because I, I also Something know what you're talking about where the car is spewing a lot of, right. you know. Or a, or a semi. No, this was black. Yeah. Like a semi sometimes will will be kind of dirty running. Like, and I had seen that growing up in Colombia because I, I don't know if they use really dirty fuel or what the hell. But like buses, uh, some, some buses would spew out pretty dark material into the air right? yeah but it wasn't on purpose <laughs> i there when our planet is on the downslide you mean like now <laughs> or worse <laughs> when it, the seas have displaced a uh, two billion people on the planet and our economy is taking and everyone is looking around going like what how did we get here that is going to be the poster child. They'll still feel entitled then. I they know. will feel entitled to the first relief, the first of, you know. I mean, <sighs> it's one thing. It's one thing. Does. Okay. Racism is one thing, right? Like racism. Yeah, that's fine. No, <laughs> it, it's awful. But, uh, you know, I always think, well, we've, the, the arc of history is long, but it bends towards justice. Yeah. And eventually we'll get there. But with environmentalism, we're on a ticking time bomb. Yeah. And for these idiots, in, and then, the, oh, and, and, and I blame the echo chamber. I blame the politicians who yeah. brainwash these people. Because, you know, these people, they must just be n nimwits. Like, the inability to comprehend i mean at the very least you would say well that black smoke is going to harm other people they have to breathe that in yeah or i have to breathe that in right you know it's it's one thing to have a have a banner and walk around that says environmentalists are stupid it's another thing to be actively 
pumping out soot. In yeah, the air. I've never understood that that extreme position. I mean, I do understand it from the perspective of that we have been manipulated for decades, but but the natural position wouldn't make sense because it. Okay, let's say you don't believe in science. Fair enough. Sad, <laughs> but let's say you don't believe in empirical observation. Yeah, you're, you're posting on Facebook on the internet about how you don't believe in science. Fine. Yeah. You don't on believe your in, cell phone. You don't believe in observing Fine. how the natural world Fair works enough. and and documenting I, how I, the natural world works. I hear you. But the thing that's always blown me away is like what about old school? I'm talking about like rewind the clock two thousand years, five thousand years, but maybe two hundred years. What about old school like, hey, let's take care of our own city or something. Like let's take care of our own street. Like good old American uh, pride in our own stuff. Yeah. How come that's not there? Yeah. Yeah. I it, it. I'll say. I've said. I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but when the pandemic began, I was thankful that our politicians. There's a little window there that I was thankful that this wasn't really a partisan issue. The issue of vaccines or the issue of. Uh, for, for one day, it wasn't. Yeah, it was a very yeah. short amount of time. But I, I remember thinking, well, thank God that we are heading into this pandemic, into this virus situation, and Republicans and Democrats don't differ on this issue. If right. anything, Democrats were a little bit more anti-vax on average, but most people yeah. are scared of a virus. Most yeah. people are fine with a vaccine. So I thought... Um, and most people are recognizing the fact that you can get sick because everyone has gotten the flu. Everyone's gotten cold. Everyone has been yeah. sick before. It, this doesn't have anything to do with partisan politics. Th so this will, it does. this will be wonderful. <laughs> this is going to be great. You know, I felt a similar thing when, when 9-11 happened was the silver lining afterwards. I was I was thinking, well, this was New York. Yeah. So this is like a d Democrat zone. Yeah. And Republicans don't like America. Right. So so we're going to be together now on Now we this. can lie together to the UN and then go and together invade Iraq. Right, that kind of thing. You know, it's, <laughs> it, it, it just boggles me that our politicians don't just get together in a room and say, look, let's not... Let's not make Let's this not into a part. Let's and argue about who killed who. <laughs> Let's just do the right thing. How right. about how about we just all... Let's just, just for this one time, because <laughs> there's going to be millions dead. So just this one time. Let's just make an agreement. We're all on the same page. Don't put anyone... You can you can put me down on my, my tax voting or my yeah. big government... But we can all agree that viruses... This virus is killing people, and we can all just be on the same page. Why? Nope. Because if we make it a partisan issue, then uh, it will grind our system to a halt. So, and and yet they did. They made yeah. it into a partisan issue, and now it's hard to imagine it not being a yeah. partisan issue because yeah. it has now essentially been injected into the DNA of Democrats and Republicans certain ideas about the virus and the pandemic and the vaccine. Yeah. And uh, the same goes for environmentalism. Yeah. It's like, can we all just agree that uh, we all want the planet to survive? And no. why is that a partisan issue? Because you're a hippie. It just uh, boggles the brain. Or on the flip side, can't we all agree that uh, 
we should take care of our people when we displace the workers as a result of environmental policy. Right. You know, can't we as a society say, well, if as a government we're going to change every th- energy policy, we have to make sure we allocate taxes. Yeah. So no more coal mining, but all these people will have a place in society. And, 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 and very secure, you yeah. know, like they won't have to turn to meth to make the right. days feel a little bit less bleak, you know, that kind of thing. Um, anyway, let's take a break and reset because I'm going to get real upset in a second. What do you say, Bruno? <laughs> let's do it. Hey, Deserving Listeners, as y'all know, I am constantly recommending that people go to therapy. We all need therapy from time to time. Well, one of the options available that is definitely worth checking out is BetterHelp. If you're looking for a therapist, I would give it a try by going to betterhelp.com slash Kirk. Make sure you use the promo code Kirk because you get 10% off your first month and it really helps us out. As you watch these videos, I know many of you have been motivated to find your own therapist, which is great because you deserve it. And I know also that it can be hard to find a good fit, find the right one for you. Well, one of the options available in terms of your shopping is to go to betterhelp.com slash Kirk. I've been told you can start communicating with your therapist in under 24 hours. You can message your counselor at any time. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. I've also been told that it's often less expensive than in-person therapy, and you should know that this service is available to clients worldwide. So go to betterhelp.com slash Kirk to get 10% off your first month today. All right, we are back from the break. We're asking that everyone become annual patrons instead of monthly patrons. You know, when you sign up on Patreon, you can sign up monthly or annual. We added the annual, or Patreon oh, nice. actually added the annual. And if you turn it into an annual, you get a discount, pretty sizable mm, discount. Cool. And so that's a win to you as a patron, but it also is a win for us because it helps us to plan for the future. Because every month to month, there's like this whole kind of shuffling of patrons, and it's hard to know like where we stand month to month. So we're asking if you aren't a patron to become a patron, become an annual one. And if you are a monthly patron, switch to annual. You just go to your app, go to the, the different where the tiers are, and there should be a little button where they show all the tiers that says like, switch to annual or something like that. Um, but yeah, do that now. And let's do an OPP, an old O-P-P. old patron praise for those patrons who became patrons in December of 2017. And they've been patrons with us ever since. We have Mina from New York. We have Tasha, good old Tasha, nice. who is an upper tier patron from Washington State. Yay. We have Liz from Indianapolis. We have oh. Catherine from Florida. We have Ashley from God knows where. We God have knows where. <laughs> Lara from Italy. Oh. I think we've communicated with Lara before. We have we have Taylor who we met at one of our uh, live events. Yes, okay. The uh she's in the military, I believe in North Carolina. We have Deanna from North Carolina. We have Hannah from Alaska. Mm. North Pole, Alaska. What? There's a place called North Pole, Alaska. Yeah. We have Paige, good old Paige, Paige. from uh, MA. Is that Massachusetts? Probably. Sounds like yeah. Massachusetts. Um, good old Paige. And we have, well, wait, do I know Paige? Anyway, I think I do. I, we got Jill from Republic, Missouri. We had, which I think my great great grandfather lived in Republic for a while. We have Rupa, who I believe we've communicated with from California. Oh, hi, Rupa. We have Adria from Delaware. We Delaware? have 
uh, Kelsey from San Francisco. We have mm. we have Earth Monkey from Seattle. Earth Monkey, I love it. And we have good old TR from who is uh, an upper tier patron from Redmond, Washington. We've, oh my gosh, that's right around the corner. We've communicated with TR, so thank you all for being patrons and for patrons for this song. Uh, listener Winona from Michigan asks, "How do you repair family relationships after?" Uh, that were hurt by differences of COVID response. Oh, this is going to get me angry again. So how do you repair familial relationships that were hurt by differences of COVID response? Brito, I think you know about this. But before answering that question, there's another question that's related to this, which is, well, answer that question. (laughs) Well, so to start with, I haven't felt the full ramification yet because uh, some of this is right now living in Colombia. I have relatives in Colombia that are deniers while Colombia is being ravaged by COVID. A lot of people I know, including uh, very close, including people you've met, uh, are currently suffering with COVID. Um, yeah, and it's it's very hard. Uh, a lot of friends of are friends. Are they in the hospital? Um, so one of them was. Really? Yes. On a respirator? Respirator? I don't know, but they were hospitalized. Being um, on a respirator terrifies me. Oh, yeah. Having that tube <laughs> down into your lungs? Yeah. I mean... No, 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 no. It's it's crazy. So anyway, so the point is, uh, while this is happening, I also have relatives that deny the whole thing. They do believe all the conspiracies, this, that, and the other thing. What conspiracies? Uh, that it... Well, A, that COVID's not... I, I, I don't know, because it's a combination of either COVID's not real or it is a Chinese virus by the military and or it is the vaccines are you know on purpose to control us and or the pick your how are the vaccines controlling us uh the the, the microchips right they literally believe that some people do yeah (laughs) and anyway so i have to reconcile that when i go there i will probably have some uncomfortable conversations and it has created a schism between different parts of the family uh as an example i got a call two weeks ago from someone saying, hey, I, I believe such and such relative of ours has COVID, but they're refusing to go to the hospital. They insist it's just a cold. Well, I don't know what the truth is because that person indeed claimed it was just a cold. They seem to have gotten better, so I don't know. Maybe they did but they were concerned because of the the symptoms and the severity and the thing, and, you know, it's these kinds of things. So uh, I unfortunately that. And then here, closer to home, I have another relative that lives here in Washington that was very much believed in COVID, did all the steps to wear masks, stay at home, all of the above, but refuses to get a vaccine <laughs> because they Bill, think it's uh yeah they Bill think Gates. it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a bad thing. They think it's controlling them and all like that. Bill Gates. I don't know if that's part of it. Probably yeah. Probably Bill Gates. I mean, so of the conspiracy the theories, five G of the pseudoscience regarding vaccines, uh. Uh, you know, there's a tier system of like viability. Yeah, uh, it's slightly viable, although extremely not supported by observation. And you know, I feel like we need to not say science because people are like, well, science you know, doesn't know everything. We, we need to replace that with observation. When we w- actually look at the results of the vaccine, <laughs> you know? okay, okay, Kirk. Before you, here's what we should do. We should propose a new thing. Say, you know, science sucks. Science doesn't know anything. We propose a new thing. What we're going to do is we're going to observe nature. We're yeah. just going to observe. Yeah. Write down what we observe. 
<laughs> and then we'll make predictions based on what we've observed about what might happen right. as a result of what we've observed. Right. And, <laughs> and we'll that, call it jujube. Like, uh, <laughs> it's still completely absurd, but at least it's slightly viable that there could be, like, negative side effects from the vaccine, right? Yeah, well, Johnson & Johnson had a little bit of an uptick for yeah. older women so, and the blah, blah, blah. So, the, uh, of the reasons why yeah. someone wouldn't take the vaccine, for that reason, I would still argue that it is, and all the experts would argue this as well that it is uh much more risky to not have the vaccine and also against society because you're you're actually contributing to the passage of the virus and we might have a pandemic literally for the rest of time because people refuse to get this vaccine and the virus will get worse and worse and worse because of its ability to, you know, mutate. Well, and, and, and us humans in general are terrible at numbers. So when they hear the false, but they'll hear 3,000 people have died because of the vaccine, you know, which, by the way, is, there's no proof of that. But let's say they even if they took that 3,000, there is no comprehension of like, do you know what percentage that is of the number of people that have been vaccinated? And do you know how many died from COVID? Like, yeah. like, there's just no understanding. And, and by the way, the 3,000 number is not even something that's demonstrated, you know? Right. Yeah. So the, uh, and people die all the time after all sorts of events, and yeah. we don't attribute it. Including you know, vaccines. Yeah. P- people <laughs> will have ice cream and die the next day. We don't say they died because of ice cream. It's just a coincidence that they happen to die anyway. So, uh, of, so that would be at least slightly viable but to say that it's mind control, I just find to be well, so... there's microchips in the fluid. But I find it, of course, you know, you know what I'm saying. Like, it's so, there's so many technological advances that would have to occur for that to happen. One. Well, you Two, don't know. why would they do that? You don't know. These companies and the government, they have crazy technology you haven't heard of. And, 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 of, and of all the tech people... Why Bill Gates? Because he's the he, billionaire. But he's the nicest one out of all of them. The devil is the has the best smile. Like he's the one giving billions of dollars to save people all over the world. No, he's he's doing billions of dollars to inject people around the world <laughs> yeah. with his microchips. But like why him? Why not Bezos or uh Tesla well, guy. Bezos is going to be doing it now because Amazon's every Amazon package when you touch it, it's going to inject little microchips into your bloodstream. And 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 the, and the other thing I say is, if you really believe that these people are out to get you and have the ability, you should give up because if they can infect you by having you touch a package, then you're done. I, I do. I've, I've tried this argument. Sadly, it doesn't work. I've tried this argument before. Of like, listen. Wait, you've it, had arguments with people with this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it, the more general thing that I've said is, listen, if in fact the cabals that you imagine have the kind of power control and planning capabilities that you ascribe to them, I actually kind of want them to be in charge because that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Because I have worked forever in very big organizations with very smart people that are like expert, world-renowned experts in tuning banjos. And guess what? It doesn't work that way. People make mistakes all the time. Banjos go back to their owners, so, and they sound like crap. So what do you do, Berto? How do you resolve these problems when you visit your family? Okay, I have had one. I don't... The, the closest I can come to a breakthrough, but I, I won't be that far-fetched to call it a breakthrough, but almost a breakthrough. I had a three-hour debate with one of these relatives here, and what I was trying to point... My only point was this, that the people that 
that this person imagines are uh, the evil participants in all of this, they might be people just like me. And I was trying to explain, like, look, here's something you believe they believe. Okay, well, I believe that. Do you want to know why I believe it? And I was explaining. And I say, like, I, I, I think you know that I'm not some evil minion or something. Right. But yet I do actually would vote that way. And here is why. Right. And I and I see both sides. I think this is yeah. I actually, you know, I think that's good. I don't think it would convince people. But no, but, but it's I think the it only is. Thing I could but find. I think it is good because that is, I think, a basis for why these things exist. Is that they observe a population or a group of people that are voting or thinking in a way, and it confuses them. They don't know why, yeah. and it scares them. Yeah. And then these brainwashers swoop in and fill the, these people's minds with, well, here's why they're like yeah. that. Instead of actually getting out of your echo chamber and going over to these people and being like, wait, why do you want that? And once yeah. you hear why they want, why you want that, you'd be like, oh, I guess I get it. I don't agree with it, but I guess I get it. It doesn't have to have a magical element to the reason why you believe that. It's similar to when, remember when Bernie was going around in his campaign talking to people, actually talking to them? And people that were very conservative, and they would end up like agreeing with him on some things, because he was just like, "Look, do you think this is right?" And then be like, "Well, here's what I want to do." And it's like when you demystify it, like I guarantee you that not everyone, but a lot of the people that are like, "This such and such is a devil," right? If they could be in a room with that devil for a couple hours having a conversation and get it all out and talk it through, many of them would be like, oh, "Okay, well." I may still not like them, but they kind of seem like a person. Regardless of which direction you go. Yeah, exactly. Um, Well, Winona, what I would say is I don't know the answer to this question because I don't know if we've ever lived in a time where there are so many mainstream conspiracy theories that are believed in that, or just weird theories and weird ideas that actually impact our lives you know it's one thing to believe in Loch Ness Monster or Bigfoot or their you know uh, Area 51 but that doesn't impact your life it doesn't COVID impacts all of our lives and for your family member who might even and we'll get well let's get into other uh, listener Joey from Seattle says how do I move on after my coworker possibly gave me COVID my coworker had a positive COVID test taken two days after I worked a full shift with them. I have no idea if they were being reckless or if I, it was just a freak accident that they got COVID, but I can't help but to be mad that I might now have COVID because of them. How do I keep this from damaging my perception of this person who I don't yet know all too well and who I'll have to keep working with? Berto, what do you think? Okay, so right when the pandemic started, about a month in, my neighbor uh, and his whole family caught COVID. So I could have been really upset and judgmental. The catch is he works at a restaurant and he had to work because he needed money. So he got COVID. Uh, Now, we were distancing from each other, so I didn't catch COVID. But there's a chance that I could have still accidentally caught it because, I mean, I do walk outside. I walk to get my mail, things like this. But that's a different happen. situation, Berto. I mean, this uh, Joey is working in a re- in a I don't know if it was a restaurant, but a in fact, I don't know where Joey works, but Joey's working in a environment where he has to work closely with other people. Yeah, and in that situation, you have a de- you depend on your coworkers who yeah. you're working right next to 
to be very careful so that yeah. they don't infect you. But they work in a high risk, in the, one of the most high risk. In fact, during the pandemic, the, the highest risk you could get COVID was at a restaurant. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, now, at this point in time, are they, why are they not vaccinated? Did they still catch it? Which you can, in spite of being vaccinated. You know, it's kind of hard to know, but, yeah. but I, I will say that if this happened a while ago, I'd be more understanding. If it happened recently, I would definitely be upset myself. Yeah, I, I don't know what to think. I, I, I think that, uh, and I've answered this question in other ways, but I've gotten a lot of questions about, essentially, this thing is happening and I'm having an emotion. I don't know what to do. Yeah. And I think the first step is just to allow yourself to have, have that emotion. Yeah. For you, Joey, you're angry at your coworker for getting COVID and potentially getting you infected with it. Because you've been working really hard to not get it. You, uh, you've been working really hard at work to make sure you follow all the protocols. And if you get it from your, like, uh, I have another uh, friend who works in radio. And he went into a, uh, actually, this is a friend of a friend, went into a record in the studio, in the, yeah. you know, the small radio recording studios. And one of the people in there the night before had been on like a, like a party with everyone pre, you know, pre-vaccination and had gotten infected and then infected everyone in that uh, recording booth. Oh man. And, sh- you know, you absolutely should be angry at that person. You should be like, you fine. You went to a party that's endangering everyone else in the world, but you should have recused yourself from sitting in a room with a bunch of other people because there was a chance that you were infected. Yeah. You could literally kill someone or cause someone to have ongoing brain damage or lung damage because you didn't think that that was a possibility when that's the whole point of this pandemic. So you have every right to get angry. Now, in your situation, Joey, you don't really know what happened. It could have been a freak accident. Maybe the coworker did everything possible and he still got infected. It's not usually the case, or as you're saying, Berto, he was forced into a situation where there wasn't anything he could do. He had to pay his bills. Well, and let's, let's keep in mind, and I don't mean to put this on, on Joey, but uh, Joey is the name, right? Yeah. Uh, Joey caught COVID. No, Joey didn't catch COVID. Joey wonders if Joey caught COVID. Sorry, you're right. Joey might have caught COVID. Yeah. So someone else could wonder about Joey. Whoa. How did you catch COVID? Right, right. So the the, the thing yeah, is, let, that, let, let, maybe not jump to conclusions. Right, but yeah. but I, that person that caught COVID, they might have their own other person that they're like, oh, I wonder if I got it from this other person that wasn't being careful. Yeah, you I, know? I suppose it's totally. F- if I were Joey and I was like really thinking about this, I would actually ask the coworker, "Oh, dude, you got COVID?" Like. Do you know how you got it? I'm curious because I'm trying to avoid getting yeah. it. And if the coworker, coworker says something like, I have no idea. I have been paranoid. I've been yeah. doing everything and I yeah. still got it. Then you can be like, oh, okay. Yeah. But if the, if the coworker's like, oh, you know, I was at a party the other night. I probably got it from And that. I haven't been vaccinated. Or my my partner, she, she was hanging out with all these other people the other day and she got it. And then I got it, of course. Yeah. Like, well, there's that. Then, then, yes, you have every right to get angry in yeah. that situation, 100%. Now, you're asking, Joey, how do I work next to this person if that is the case? I don't know. <laughs> how do you work next to someone that is participating in uh, 
Well, know, wait a minute. If they still have COVID, they shouldn't be at work, right? Well, but after they recover and oh, they come well, back. Oh, well, then it's okay, right? Well, but I don't know. To me, it's like a drunk driver. It's like finding out someone regularly drives drunk and managed to not kill anyone in that process. Right. But it kills people all the time. Right. And so if I knew of someone that was regularly driving drunk, I, I mean, they could kill someone I know. They could kill me. They could, they could you know, kill other people with their reckless yeah. behavior. I, there's behavior that I think it's totally acceptable to me <laughs> in my cultural pocket to be livid at those people. Yeah, it's just that in this case, we don't know. We right, don't know. Right, right. Yeah. Anonymous patron says, I'm wondering if you have any psychology tricks on dealing with COVID fatigue. I work in healthcare in Canada, and vaccination rates in Canada are behind the U.S., and variants are causing a lot of problems. So on one hand, I'm logically scared for what's to come and have a healthy respect for the virus because I work in healthcare. Emotionally, though, I feel done and over it and like there's no point to try and keep fighting against a virus when people in my community won't even do the basics like sign up to get vaccinated. I'm worried that these feelings will cause me to get sloppy with PPE or infection pre prevention, which are obviously important for the safety of my patients, my coworkers, and my family at home. Do you have any psychological tricks to get back to the fighting COVID mindset and away from the UG COVID mindset? Berto, what do you think? Well, the uh, only couple things that come to mind. One is, I do think that the wrong cultural mindset can be permanently demoralizing and be counterproductive. For example, the war on drugs, the war on drugs is a failure, massive, catastrophic failure. And yet, for a long time, it was like, you know, we're on a war against drugs, commercials, everything, war against drugs. Even worse, the war on terror. The war on terror. You know, we go to wars and wars and we're on the war on terror. Be aware, permanently forever, your airport experience will be the worst, crappiest thing in life because of the war on terror. War on terror, scare you, scare you, scare you. And that is demoralizing. It is exhausting. If we treat COVID this way, I do think we're going to run into trouble. I feel like we have to sort of try our best to make it more of just just uh, structure, structurally re-architecting how we live our lives in general. Yeah. For example, uh, you know, we were all, and I'm including myself, I would find it so odd. Look at those pictures of all those people in Asian countries wearing masks out in public. What's up with them? Yeah. Well, guess what? I think masks out in public are kind of clever. So, well, some people would wear masks at home because they wouldn't want to infect their the people right. they live with. Yeah. And I think that washing your hands is kind of smart. Yeah. And I think that maybe not having, you know, massive congregations all the time while there are bad flu or bad other things going around might be smart. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that it's going to become something like, well, I think we got to permanently change some of our patterns. But if we are always kind of, no, no, no. It's like we're still in full pandemic lockdown. It's all, and we're always feeling that way. I think none of us can fully handle that. Well, I'm not exactly sure what you're saying, Berto, because uh, I, on one hand, it's like I agree that it should just become a part of our culture and we should just do what we can. But I think what um, Anonymous Patron is talking about here is 
something that I can relate to, which, but I live in a pocket where something like 80% of people are vaccinated. Yeah. And, um, there's been like zero deaths in the Seattle area recently, right? Hasn't, I, I don't know, but yeah, that's great to hear. Anyway, so, um, but I'm trying to imagine living in like central Washington or Spokane yeah. or, you know, one of those places where there, yeah. there's like 40% vaccination and the, the virus is still very much a problem. I, uh, I wonder what I'd be doing. I think I would still be locking down yeah, and not going to restaurants or anything, but I'll tell you, I could absolutely imagine. I mean, the fatigue was getting bad anyway, but at the very least, I think one of the problem is with anonymous patron here from Canada is that, uh, Seattle was one of the very first places where the vaccination rate was so high that you could start venturing out into public and feel pretty safe. Yeah. And, but if I lived in another place, hearing about Seattle, hearing about other, you know, the United States, generally speaking with all, then I think that would ruin it for me because, you know, back in January, no one had the vaccine. Yeah. So I'm thinking, well, the entire world is, you know, on average. Yeah. We're all screwed. Yeah. But to hear about other places... I could imagine if, if I lived in one of these places now, I could imagine myself just saying, you know what? <laughs> like I give up. Yeah. I, I I can't live this way anymore. And if, if my community is, hasn't woke up now, it will never wake up. So I'm just going to start living my life again. And if I get sick, I get sick. Cause what else can I do? I'm going to get the vaccine, you know, but I'm also just, I can't, I don't know if I can do it. So I get that feeling. I understand, I think what an honest patron is saying is just like, yeah, I, no, I can I've been, I've been doing, and especially with the PPE stuff in hospitals, I mean, it is elaborate yeah. and inconvenient. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I, I could see that. And, and again, all this would go away if everyone just got the vaccine. None of <laughs> yeah. us would have to worry about this. There's enough to go around. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Especially in the next, you know, six months or so. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, now, it's got to be getting that way, for example, in Colombia to friends and family that are there because there right now there's no end in sight. Yeah. And it's. Yeah. Well, Berta, let's get off this topic. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and let's get to an even more serious topic. Oh, God. <laughs> so, Allie on Discord, she's one of the Discord guardians, mm-hmm. the mods on Discord. She has a very serious question just for you, Berta. Ooh. Were Ross and Rachel on a break? <laughs> awesome. Uh, a, yes. <laughs> and B, uh, there's two sides to the coin. Like, first of all, um, it was a break, but I think, I think like both of them in their mind were hoping that the break would turn into a reunion. Uh, I think by one of the ways to kind of ensure that would happen would be to maybe not start going out with other people and doing th- things with other people. At the same time, when you're the one in the break, you don't really know. And you're also feeling hurt, whether it's whether the break is you or the other person or a little bit of both, you're still going to be feeling strong emotions. So I can totally understand why other other relationships happened 
And I can definitely understand why, you know, Ross would go down a certain path and, um, but at this, but you know, so I do think they were on a break. Yes. The break was real. Dime on Discord says, why do we view sex as dirty? Why is it considered shameful? Birdo, what do you think? Um, well, this is kind of a good question. It's very good, yeah. I don't think sex has been always viewed as dirty in every culture. I, uh, even today, it's not always viewed as dirty. Uh, there, there are certain things about sex that cause big taxes on human beings. Because when you have sex, especially historically... Babies come out, and babies are a thing that you need to like keep track of and take care of. Uh, so, as a result, cu- <laughs> culturally, <clears throat> turning sex into a bit of a big deal and a bit of a problem became in vogue going back thousands of years. And there are whole religions built around the idea of right. of sexuality being yeah. dirty. <laughs> yeah, I um, and I learned this idea recently, and it all made sense to me that similar to certain religious practices like kosher practices, right. they will hypothesize that it was developed because either they knew or they suspected that having certain cooking practices would actually result in infection or death or yep. sickness. And they either uh, saw it as a sign from God that you're not supposed to do that or they knew that the people wouldn't follow the rule unless you made it the word of God. Yep, yep, yep. But whatever the case may be, they just codified it, codified yeah. it in in biblical law, and said you cannot do these things, uh, circumcision, yep. you know, all these kinds of things. And <laughs> getting back to the COVID thing, uh, if I were to start my own religion yeah. and I could spread it around the world, I would God say God wants you to wear a mask. God wants you to take your stupid vaccine. <laughs> take your vaccine. It, this is the the blood of Christ that you are now taking into your own blood. You are right. making yourself of God. Yeah. And then you know, fast forward two thousand years, and people they just don't think about it, you know, because <laughs> it's just the right thing to do, right? Yep. And with sex, right? It's it's a similar thing that. Um, and I'd never thought about it until someone was talking about this. Um, ironically, it might have been Jordan Peterson of all people. <laughs> but uh, at any rate, someone was talking about how in the past, sex could kill. Yeah. It could kill you because pregnancy was very dangerous. Yeah. You could get STIs. There could be jealous fighting among people that have yeah. sex with other people. And so either they saw that as, you know... So there's, and I didn't hear this from whoever was lecturing on this. This is my idea. I don't know if I invented this or if, if I'm the only one who talks about this, but you have a society 3,000 years ago or even 150 years ago who observes what's happening and they're like, huh, the people who consider sex to be between a husband and wife and they aren't really out there with their sexuality, they tend to do okay. Uh, they live longer. They stay together longer. Yep. There's um, less fighting. There's more prosperity. Then we have these other people who just have sex with anyone. Yep. And uh, there's more violence. There's more alcohol use. There's more chaos. There's less parenting involved. And instead of actually investigating those two worlds and saying, why are those things? They just, as a heuristic, say, it must be related to sex. Even right. though sex is the byproduct of 
the uh, oppression and different systemic pressures that are economic pressures that are put on people probably. But anyway, they look to sexuality and, and sex has something to do with it because if you have sex with a lot of people, there's a greater chance you're going to get an STI. There's a greater chance of pregnancy, uh, presumably. There's a greater chance of – well, actually, there isn't a greater chance of pregnancy. I guess there's a greater chance of pregnancy you don't know who the father is. I think is. There, there was a, a big factor of social stability as yeah. a community because, for example, I find it interesting that there's not a lot of effort spent – like there's no commandment against having sex with animals. <laughs> yeah. Whereas I'm sure that sex with animals is very old. Right. <laughs> But if you think about it, some dude in the hill having sex with him, she, like he might catch something, but it didn't really affect society as a whole. Right. Whereas a whole like problem where like the community's dissolving, there's right. infighting, there's a whole war, there's a thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, you're observing this as a leader, as a religious leader. You're seeing this difference of right. of chaos and death and violence. And on the other side, stability, and you're looking, okay, sexuality is at least a part of this. So I either believe that sexuality is the temptation of the devil, and when you live the life of the devil, then the devil ends up ruling your life and destroys you, and God abandons you. So therefore, if you want to be within God's graces, you have to apparently stop having sex. We didn't know that until we observed these two communities in the or the leader says, God doesn't care about sex, but we need this society yeah. to work better. And so I'm just going to decree yeah. that sex is evil and bad. Yeah. And we know it's combinations of the two. Because, for example, there were many cases where a, a king would have a law that, um, what do you call it, uh, um, out of wedlock, um, gosh darn it. Uh, adultery? Adultery, thank you. That adultery is not legal. It's funny that he had a Freudian forget. Yes. That adultery is not legal. But the king was allowed to be adulterous. Yeah. And so, like, there there were many cases where the law was useful, but they would make exceptions as needed. (laughs) Uh, Or, literally, the bishop would have decrees from God and then oppose them themselves. The other factor that's quite likely is sexism, that women are to be possessed and uh, controlled, and women who are allowed, so to speak, to have sex with whoever they want is threatening to the patriarchy, and the patriarchy wants to keep women down, and so they're going to make sexuality in general evil, particularly in an effort to control women. That that can be, too. I, I just... It's funny because, like, masturbation has always been taboo, you know, and not always, not in every society. not only, And there's societies where sex was a lot more open and, and free and blah, blah, blah. Still but, are, yeah. Yeah. And the third, I th- this is, I didn't read about this or hear this lectured, but I think that there could have been a heuristic around pleasure equaling bad things. Definitely. If, if, again, you're a leader of a community and you see some people who toil in the fields all day long and they work hard to keep their home in order yeah. and things go well for them. They're miserable human beings, <laughs> but there's no chaos. They are able to feed their family. There's another group of community where they don't work as much. They like to play games or to drink a lot and to sing songs. Well, 
the second society taken to a certain extreme is going to have a lot of chaos and a lot of famine and this sort of thing. And so there's this heuristic of doing things that are pleasurable leads to bad things, leads to famine, it leads to death, it leads to chaos. And so regardless of the context, regardless of the nuance, regardless of the case-by-case basis, we're just going to say pleasure (laughs) equals death. (laughs) And so as a community, we are going to have many, many cultural uh, messages and values that are the foundation of the idea that pleasure is to be wrong. Yeah, and, I mean, and, and we still we still kind of have that, you know, because yeah. people when they watch television, they'll be like, "I'm doing something wrong," and I'm always like, "Did you get your job done today?" And they're like, "Well, do you mean did I go to my job and work for eight hours?" Yeah, I went to my. Yeah, okay, are you neglecting your children? <laughs> no, I don't have kids. Then. What's the problem with watching TV? We still have that idea that doing something pleasurable for ourselves is somehow immoral. I, I think uh, the observation again would be that uh, you definitely will not survive the harsh environment and the harsh reality of the universe if you dilly dally. So you know the reality is no. You got to get out in the field. You got to go out hunt. Many of you will die, but we got to keep going. Otherwise, we're done. So if you're like, oh, you like enjoying the sunlight there, looking at the dandelions, get the hell up. You're 13 yeah. years old. You got to go. Yeah. If you, if, if you just enjoy anything, sex included, then it'll be your downfall. That said, I will say that there is an overemphasis placed on sexuality. Being, you know, because uh, many, many, many cultural traditions from the same religions have uh, feasts. You know, feasts of great abundance and and food is a big part of it. And but gluttony, things. Birdo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there are uh, there are moments where it's okay, and maybe the same can be said about sexuality. It's okay to get married and have sex, but it's even dirty in the marriage to some cultures, not all. Right, but yeah. we're talking about mainstream yeah. Western culture, which is yeah. that even sex between couples, married couples. Uh, it's considered dirty. You can't like the example I always give is, and I know some people don't really understand this analogy and they end up yelling at me about it, but uh, go with me on this is that you go to work and you have one coworker. You ask one coworker, what, what, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, I went on a hike. It was beautiful. We saw the mountains and the snow. We saw a bear. And That's it was wonderful. Yeah. And then yes, your other coworker, what'd you do? Oh, me and my wife, we tied each other up and we whipped each other. And there was like, different holes involved and that's beautiful and and like and and we had a great time yeah that's great both are (laughs) self-indulgent activities that you're doing for pleasure yep one is considered absolutely disgusting and and taboo and something you should never speak out loud certainly not at work you'll get fired and even if it was known people look at you funny you will get fired but you go hiking and it's glorious totally fine oh beautiful yeah Yeah. to me i find that to be actually it's even better what did you do this weekend? I watched a movie. Oh, yeah. What was the movie? Oh, it's so violent. Tons of, like, you know, people. Was, there was sex, violence, blood, people dying left or and right. I went hunting and I shot a deer. Oh, I shot a deer. And then I skinned it alive. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. 
And and then what do you do? Beautiful. Oh, uh, then the other and even just tone it down. You ask the other oh, coworker. I just what'd had you? a beautiful. I made love to my wife. Yeah, um, we we had sex for like you know an hour and a half. It was oh man, my no, no. my like, orgasm was, no, 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 was no, no. out of this world. Y- you don't need to go like <laughs> yeah. to your point. Literally, <laughs> yeah. all you have to say is I just had what sex you, with I, my wife. I, I had I made love to my wife on on. I mean, some of the more progressive people in the room might say, "Good for you." Oh, but I a can't, lot of people I can't. And if it's at work, yeah, someone's gonna complain. Oh yeah. Like a uh, very inappropriate yeah. conversation. So, so the the counter argument to this, which I will, I'm, undoubtedly people are already writing their emails, <laughs> is I don't want to hear about other people's sexual life because it triggers me. And I would say, yes, if that's true for you, 100%. Why does it trigger oh, well, you? It would trigger me to hear about a deer being shot. Certainly. Um, and maybe some people wouldn't talk about it. But my uh, my response to that is that the reason why sexual discussions are triggering, one, is because of sexual traumas, obviously. But if you only hear about sexual acts when it's a precursor or a likely precursor to abuse, then you're always going to associate yeah. any discussion of sexuality or any acknowledgement of sexuality with abuse. Right. If our society was different yeah. and we talked about it like we went hiking... Then when, and even if you were sexually abused, you wouldn't be triggered by sexual discussions because you would hear it often. Right. Like think about, you know, um, people are going to get married. It's like, oh, where are you going to go for your honeymoon? Okay. So then they come back. How was the honeymoon? They'll talk about everything. Not once will they mention that they had sex. Yeah. <laughs> there might be jokes, but it'll be... Yeah, you know. like the, but like the... I don't really want you to answer, and I'm just going to wink at you really quick, but like, oh, it must have been fun, huh? Wink. Yeah. We're done. Yeah, we live in a completely just broken society when it comes to yeah. sexuality, and we wonder why bad things are yeah. happening. Yeah. All right, Berto. Wow, this was a depressing episode. <laughs> Not the ending. I love it. I'm I'm angry. I'm I'm fired up. I'm I want to talk to you about my sex life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Everyone out there, please take care of yourself and take care of others because you deserve it.